Pastor Ryan started last week with this uh, uh, sermon on identity theft, learning who you are in Christ. Uh, it was about a month and a half ago, I was uh, scheduled to preach in Fresno, California for Pastor Dale Oquist, who was my assistant for years, and now pastors a great church in Fresno. And uh, I got to thinking on this whole thing on identity, and Pastor Ryan and I were meeting a couple weeks ago, and I just gave him a few little thought bites, and he, he sent me his notes, much better than the stuff I did, but I, it, was, it was nice. I've got those notes now, too. And, and I really want you, so we're going to continue on that theme today, on really knowing who you are. What is your identity in Christ? In fact, uh, if you have your, uh, your Bibles, uh, you can open them to Jeremiah chapter 17. So... Uh, I went out to Fresno, and I shared the message on identity theft, and Pastor Ryan just added some dimension to it, and now I'm going to conclude sort of the rest of his message. When I arrived in Fresno, they took me to the hotel, and I got to the room. This bag was in my hotel room, uh, Trader's Joe, and inside of it was some fruit and some nuts and some uh, chips and uh, some other stuff, you know, all high-fiber stuff. Uh, no, just kidding. It wasn't... But uh, the interesting thing that got me on this was the tag on the bag. Here's the tag from Trader Joe's. It says, I used to be a plastic bottle. Now, you talk about identity theft. I mean, this is now this. And see, here, here's the deal. Now, recycling is great. Uh, it's, a, it's a great thing, and I'm sure you, your, your trash pickup company sort of insists on it. But here's the deal. I think we need to recycle back to who we are in Christ. I think some of us have become something, at least visually. One thing you'll find out about me, and there'll be a little craziness going on here today when I get into some illustrations. And, but the reality is this. I am not ashamed of who I am. I love Jesus Christ. I love that I identify with him. I love his word. It teaches me how to live my life. It taught me how to raise my kids. It taught me how to guide me financially. It taught me how to treat my wife. It taught me how to respond to this country of ours, and I really am excited to preach that message the first Sunday of October. And I'm gonna send, we're going to send it. We were hoping to get 5,000 pastors around America. We've been working with a group in California, talking to pastors about really taking a stand. Now, I'm not talking Democrat or Republican. I'm talking about Bible stand, how you should vote relative to what the Scripture says, not to how... Your pocketbook is benefited by a particular candidate or party. But what the Bible says, what the Bible says about family, what the Bible says about marriage, hello, what the Bible says, are you there? And then we're going to send them to the IRS. Because so many churches are intimidated thinking the IRS is going to tell us what we should preach and what we should teach. They can't. It's intimidation to manipulate you and dominate you, and our country is paying a severe cost because pastors have not stood up. Churches have not stood up. In other words, they've just sort of faded into the landscape and lost their spiritual identity. Are you there? Well, are you ready to rumble? I hope you are. Jeremiah chapter 7. An interesting thing happened to me. This is the first time this has ever happened to me in my technological career. I have a, a tablet, and I meticulously put notes together for this message. Well, then, in the first service, I, uh, and there was a lot of early risers. The place was filled, packed, and I flip it open, and I push this little button, and then I hit the notes portion, and I push another button, 
And then the, the typing grid popped up, and I pushed another button, and I lost my notes. So it's a real test today. Did I really prepare for this? So we'll see what happens, okay? I want to talk to you about how carrying burdens really affects our identity and how it just drags us down and many times really does not allow people to see Christ in us because of burdens. Now, if you turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 17, we're going to be, begin at verse 19. Now, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. He got thrown in jail a lot, got beat up, you know, had, but, you know, so he cried, <laughs> cried, but, but he still wrote a lot of good stuff here, and are you ready? That's just free, threw it in for your whatever. Verse 19, thus the Lord said to me, whenever you hear that, whenever you hear biblically where they'll throw these things in, like the prayers of Paul and different things, there's just highlights, he said, thus the Lord said to me, you should perk up your ears, go and stand in the gate of the children of the people by which the kings of Judah come in and by which they go out and all the gates of Jerusalem and say to them, hear the word of the Lord. That's another thing. Hear the word of the Lord. That's what I really am praying today, that you will hear the word of the Lord. That this just isn't some guy getting up, giving you a few thoughts and ideas. That you would really hear some significant biblical concepts that will impact your life, impact your family, impact your workplace, impact your school, impact your retirement communities. Hear the word of the Lord. Take heed to yourselves, now listen to this, and bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it into the gates of Jerusalem. So don't even bring this, the burden into the meeting place or the tabernacle on Sunday. And don't even bring it into the city. Okay? Nor carry a burden out of your house on the Sabbath day, nor do any work, but hallow the Sabbath day as I commanded your fathers. But they did not obey, nor incline their ear, but made their necks stiff, and they might, that they might not hear nor receive instruction. Now you say, Pastor Ernie, what does it have to do with burdens? That's talking about uh, a, a biblical concept in the old law about what you do on, on the Sabbath day, which the Sabbath day is Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. But what you have to understand is you study the Bible. It's a very well-written book, and it ties together. The Old Testament is a shadow of the New Testament. We had communion this morning. In the Old Testament, they would slit the neck at Passover of the perfect lamb, take the blood, and sprinkle it on the doorpost, and then that signified at that one event when the death angel would pass over. So, and it saved them as they were being uh, taken out of, of Israel, uh, out of Egypt. Now, we today we didn't go kill uh, a grape. Well, we did kill a grape, I guess. But uh, hello, but it's, it's symbols, okay? And then Jesus came, and now He is our Passover Lamb, right? So, I want to show you something, and I want you to turn next with me to the to the book of Matthew. First book in the, in the New Testament. Matthew, uh, chapter 11, verse 28. Now, I, now just listen. Tune in. I'm not going to keep you real long, so just try to stay aware. Where'd that come from? You know, we're, you're going to hang it on people's doors. Hang it on your heart. Here's what the Word says. Come to me. Okay, that's nice. Come to me. All you who labor 
and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many of you are laborers, workers? Come on. And, and, and if you go to school, but even if you're a housewife, you're really a laborer. Have you ever, a man just, if your wife stays at home and works at home, just stay at home sometime and try to do what she does. She's a laborer. And if she's working, she's doing double time because she's doing that at, in a job market and then going home and doing it. But, but we're all, this is a word that says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, in other words, my presence, and learn from me, for I am gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now turn with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 10. You'll find it in there. I'll find it too. It's in here. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Now I want to tie this into what I talked to you about not bearing burdens on the Sabbath. Okay? I told you the Old Testament is a shadow of the new. So verse 16 says, Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festive or a new moon. And the original language expands out. It says, or Sabbath days. Okay? Now here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, if you were in, in town, if you were to go over to uh, yesterday uh, to Shano and Fisk, Right behind First Assembly of God Church is a seven-day Adventist church, okay? Now, what they do is they believe that the gathering of Christians for worship should be on Saturday because they take the Old Testament book, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Uh, are you there? Are you track with me? So you could have gone over there yesterday, and they would have a worship service. They would sing songs. They would probably have teaching and all that stuff. And they believe because uh, that should be the day that you should worship God. But let me tell you where they miss it is, first of all, in the New Testament, the Christians met on the first day of the week. But that doesn't necessarily solidify the fact that, that we, we should, that is a specific day. What the Word says is, do not judge regarding Sabbath days. When Jesus came, died on the cross, shed his blood, every day is a Sabbath day. So I could have gone over to the uh, church yesterday and that's a level of comfort worshiping with them. Now, they would have attacked me after saying, oh, you're not going to church on Sunday, are you? But the reality is I could have gone and worshiped there because it's a Sabbath day. Guess what? Tomorrow morning I'll worship. Guess what? Tuesday morning I'm going to worship. I'm going to love God. I'm going to praise God because it's a Sabbath day. Now, but here's what I want you to get. And here's where the church is in such a bind, and many of you in this room are in such a, a bind, is it says, carry no burdens on the Sabbath day. Now, in the old economy, it was don't pick up, don't do any work, don't bring it into the city. But in the New Testament economy, is Jesus said there, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Sounds really good, but it's not that easy to do always. Because we have things that impact us, things that create in us heavy burdens. Oh, we struggle and we, we, we go through difficulties and, and we, we, we drag these burdens with us. I want to illustrate. Maybe, maybe you'll catch this if I illustrate it this way. And stay with me now. Don't leave just yet. Mary said, I looked at my watch. It's 1130. 
Got a nice watch. It should be right. Um, got my case here. And, and, and let's just figuratively think this is something that is a burden. Now, I, 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 wrote, I had Jan write some down for me. And let me just see here. Oh, I might save that one. It's worse. I'll save that one, too. They're all pretty bad. Oh, man. Here's one. Pride. I am so cool. I'm so sexy. I'm so cool. Not me. I mean, I'm 66. I know things have, have gone <laughs> south. But, you know, I, we, Pride. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with feeling good about yourself and doing good work. But some people, you know, the, the reality is the Scripture says, I must decrease and he must increase. And, and, and I've met people that are so prideful, so full of themselves, there's not room for anything else. Man, they got their pride case, man. They're pulling their pride around. Now, it, it happens... Very often in ministry, I've been in ministry a long time, over 40 years, and I remember my first church. It was in Merrill, Wisconsin. We had a whopping 11 people attend when I came. I mean, it was a big church. I mean, I mean it, was just, it was just enormous. Man, I was all excited, and we stayed there a number of years, and we saw a lot of people come to Christ. We saw a lot of things happen. But uh, uh, once a year, our, deno- our, our fellowship or denomination would have this big meeting. This particular meeting was in, uh, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And, they, and it, at, at those times, for these ministers, when we'd all come together as ministers, and they would bring in some noted speaker from somewhere. Normally, it was a guy or a couple of guys that pastored large churches, which was okay. There's nothing wrong with large churches. In fact, I told the, the uh, church in the first service that for the vision that God has given the leadership here, this building is not big enough. This is a doorway. Are you with me? If you think that this is just going to be the place all the time, you're probably going to be shocked because as the vision unfolds, as more and more people get aware, more and more people come to Christ. But anyhow, so I go to that meeting, coming from this big church, and we're probably up to 35 or 40 now, and I know all of these noted speakers I'd heard about them, and they were pastoring big churches in Iowa and California, and I just couldn't wait to to listen to him speak and then talk to him. I mean, because how many know if someone is doing something that you'd sort of like to do or they've gotten where you're shooting to go? And, and so I wanted to talk to him. Oh, I was all excited. From Merrill, Wisconsin. Where's Merrill, Wisconsin? You know, up by Wausau, 9,502 people. Anyhow, uh, so I go to the meeting. And I can remember there was a couple of these guys after a service were standing there, and they were talking to a couple of other guys who had at that time what would have been considered a larger church. And I just said, hi, I'm I'm Arnie Jacobson from Merrill. And they looked at me, from where? Who are you? I mean, I might have been taller than them, but I felt like nothing. Because, see, they were so full of pride. You know, but here's the deal. First of all, even if they built a big church, it was God that built them, not them. He was just, that was, they, maybe they were the scalpel in God's hand, but they weren't the surgeon. Pride. And I want to tell you what, when Christians are so prideful that, that, you know, I'm just so proud I'm a Christian. I'm so proud I don't do what you do. I'm so proud I don't live like you. You know, if you could just live like me, you'd be something. 
pride. So we, we, we tuck it in, and, you know, we're just prideful. We, we just put the old pride in there, and we, we just carry it around with us. We drag it around with us. Now, the next one is insecurity. Insecurity. Hold that for me a minute, would you? Hold it up so people can see. Insecurity. You know, it's like, well, i got to get me another bag to put my insecurity in. Thank you, thank you. So, you know, we, 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 we do that because we don't think we're up to the task. We're just insecure. And I want to tell you what. I've been there. You see, when I became a Christian, I was raised up in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, got saved in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Nine months later, went to Bible college. My dad was a retired guy out of the service, worked in the parks after he retired, good guy. So I become this Christian, and I go off to this Bible college in Springfield, Missouri. I start meeting all of the other the young men and women that are there. Oh, well, what did your dad do? Well, he pastored Second Assembly of God. Never heard of one of those. A lot of first assemblies, but no second. But, uh, and oh, he's, a, he's a district superintendent of the Northern California District. Oh, and my uncle is this and that. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I am nothing. Man, I'm, my insecurity is, how am I ever going to do anything? Well, my, my dad was in the service, <laughs> serving the country. And, you know, well, you know what? And so right away you're thinking, because I'm not connected. You see, my identity had, could not be in the fact that my dad wasn't a pastor or a leader or would open up some magical door to opportunity for me. And so many Christians are insecure. You don't know who and what you are in Christ. The turning point for me was my uh, second year in Bible college. I, uh, I was sitting in a chapel service, and there was a prophetic word. And uh, it, was, it was a dynamic prophetic word. And here's what it simply said. And, and it just said, I know your name, and I will use you. I know your name, and I will use you. And I got a hold of that. I thought, you know what? If he knows my name, that's more important than just because I don't have a dad that's a pastor or an or a uncle that's a great leader in some denominational thing. So I would said, you know what? I got to the point where my identity was in Christ. Not in the fact that I didn't have a ministry pedigree, but my attitude was, you know what, I'm not going to be insecure. I am somebody. Say that with me. I am somebody. You see, here's what the church needs to do. You need to rise up and realize that you are somebody and that the enemy has subtly stolen away from you your identity. You see, I think Christians are the best of the best. I think, I think because of how we are taught and how we lead our lives and how we should move and, and just l- literally relate to people. But no, what happens though, the more baggage you don't get rid of, it just drags you down. Well, I'm getting through. I'm going to make it, Martha. You know, I'm marching my way to the, to the, to the, to the care home and then to the grave. I'm going to get through. And, and you know, maybe... Maybe I'll die and go to heaven. You know, and that's great. I'm looking forward to going to heaven. How about you? Now, to be honest with you, I'm not looking forward to dying. You know, I'm not, how's it going to happen, you know? Am I going to rattle or? I'm not looking forward to that. 
Oh, but you know, then when I die, I'll put off this old flesh, mama, and then everything will be okay. No, you know what? I want to go out on a high note. I mean, wherever they have me, I'll be preaching Jesus, talking about Jesus. Man, if I'm in some hospital and they're saying, oh, it doesn't look good for Arnie, yes, it does. I'm going to heaven. How about you? You see, but, but our insecurities hold us back. And it, it sends a negative message to people around us. You are somebody. Now, I'm not talking about building up the pride thing. I'm just saying being confident in the fact that Jesus loved you enough and he knows your name. Oh, I got to. Oh, yes, I got it. Read it for me. Can you read it? Guilt. Guilt. Oh, yeah, guilt. I, be- I better, I just got to go over here. Would you hold guilt for me a minute, bud? Thank you. Don't hang on to it. It'll get you. So, I tell you what, I'm just, I'm just guilty. Hi, Dave, how you doing? Dave goes up to the piano and stops me if I'm going over too long. Guilt. Oh, yeah. Then we, I mean, we got that guilt bag right down. Boy, I tell you what. Whoops. Whoops. Hard to get rid of guilt. But here's the, let me just tell you. Let me just tell you about guilt. See, okay, a lot of, probably the good majority of you people in this room are Christians today. But how many know people, Christians mess up? I'm guilty as charged. I remember, uh, well, I'll tell you that one later, but guilt. You did something stupid. Maybe you had an affair. Maybe you, maybe you did something, maybe you cheated on your taxes. Maybe, I mean, it could have been whatever. Guilt. And, and, you, and, and even though you're saved, that thing still, I, I've been dealing with some guys who have had, gone through some real tough stuff in their lives, in ministry. A couple of my close friends, that somewhere in, in their background, they were in ministry and they messed up morally. They know how the church just pounds that guilt into them. We can't use you anymore. You're dirty. And then their guilt just seems to strangle them. And I've been able to say, you know what? It was a foolish thing. You messed up, but God still forgives. Amen. And you don't need to carry that guilt and God can use you, and God can, can reestablish greatness in your life. And see, some of you are sitting here with the simplest little guilt. Some of you have got major issues in your life over guilt. And you don't get it under the cross. You don't get it under the blood, and you just carry it around. Now you're going to heaven. You know, you're going to make it, but it's getting pretty heavy here. You know, After a while, you wear out the wheels on these things, and you're just dragging them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, burdens. Doesn't the Word of God say, carry no burdens on the Sabbath? If every day is the Sabbath, and you're loaded down with these burdens, and they're breaking you, and they're, and they're crushing you, and, and, and they're doing things that are, are terrible to you, like, oh, 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 here, 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 oh, this is bad. This is real bad. This is real bad. I don't know if I can make it over to you, bud, but, yeah, I mean, this is, this is tough. I got to hold on to in my case here. What, 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 what can I say? Worry. Would you hold it for me a minute, please? 
worry. I got to get. I got to carry that worry with me. I'm telling you, it's, it's tough. Oh, yeah, here we go. Worry. I mean, I, I'm getting so. Would you, would you put that in, the, in my worry bag for me? I mean, it's getting to the point where I can't even. I can't haul this stuff anymore. Worry, worry, burden, burn. Oh, let's talk about what's got us worried. You ever raise kids? Oh, man, what are they doing tonight? Oh, worry, worry. Oh, and I got that, I got that spot on my hand. Oh, it's got to be cancer. I know it. I'm dying. It's over, Martha. I mean, you know, call the funeral home. And, and, and oh, you worry, and you, and, and you start to tighten up. Chicken little, the sky's falling. Oh, that, I know that car's going to cross over and smack me head on. Oh, oh, oh. Worry, worry. You know what happens? Affects your health. Gives you heart attacks. Gives you stroke. What did Jesus say? He said, take no thought for tomorrow. Now, he's not advocating living a stupid life. But what he's saying, and then he went on to say, Sufficient is the day. Didn't he say, I'll never leave you or forsake you? Didn't he say, hang in there? But I want to tell you, I have met some Christians with the biggest worry. Oh, and financial. A 40K, 401K is now a, a 50 and a half K. Uh, let, me, let me just talk to you. This one about sunk me worry. I've always been pretty carefree. Many of you have known me for a while. But about, about four and a half years ago, it seemed like everything crashed in around me. Moved to Utah. Uh, I had to make a decision to, um, if the church out there was going to go, to give just about everything I had saved over 40 years. Everything. I mean, we're talking everything. And I did it. Knew I should. Felt God wanted me to do it. But did I worry? I'm not even going to be able to afford a rest home. I'm not, I, I mean, you know, I might be living on the street. I might have a sign. I'll work for food. Seen those guys? I rolled down the window and said, get a job. <laughs> I, it, I have a strange mind. You probably picked up on that already. But I, uh, uh, I was driving about a month ago in Salt Lake and going to a meeting, and there was a guy standing by the entryway onto the freeway. Didn't have a, a sign. I'll work for food. He said, aw, shucks, I'm going to tell you the truth. I need a few bucks and I want a beer. <laughs> At least he was being honest, right? But, oh, we worry, worry, worry. Just, oh, man. And, I mean, I was getting, but, oh, but I put on the happy face outside of my house. Everything's fine, Dad. You know, God's going to bless. I've given all this money, you know. And, well, he's died, but the publishing clearinghouse people are going to show up on my doorstep on Super Bowl Sunday. Well, there they are with that big check, and everything's going to be fine. Now, let me tell you what happened. You can't hide this stuff from those close to you, especially your wife. And I was sitting in the chair in our home in Utah, and I mean, I was just worried. What am I going to do? I've got to reinvent myself. And Oh, man, what am I going to do? Oh, oh. And Jan said this to me. She said, I want the old Arnie back. I want the old Arnie back. What she was saying is, I want what you used to be. You've lost your identity. Worry has robbed you of who and what you are. 
And it was like really a slap in the spiritual face. All of a sudden, I look, I'm still six foot four. I can still walk. I can still preach. I'll write books. I'll travel. I'll, I'll mentor. And I want to tell you, my life has been great. Now, I didn't get the money back, but I'll tell you what, I'm happy. And I'm not worrying about it because the Bible tells me I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. If one door closes, he'll open another door. Are you with me? I got guys calling me now saying, hey, can you come and preach? Can you, can you come and talk to us? Can you come and share with our church? Sure, I can. Because I'm a follower of the Lord. And I haven't totally lost it yet, even though I can't find my car keys half the time. I'm, I'm okay. I'm all right. Oh, I want to tell you what. Don't worry. Now, I'm not saying don't be diligent worry will sink you. In fact, if I could have most of you go back and grab something that you worried about two years ago, there's probably a 95% chance it didn't happen. And the very thing that you worried about, but oh, you carry this stuff. <laughs> oh, then what else do we got here? Uh, oh, worry. We got, oh, I got another worry. Oh, we got a double worry. No wonder I Oh, and then, and, and the, the, you know, the finances, I got that. Oh, but I got one more before I let you loose here. I got, what happened to my black bag? Did I just write it off? No, I got it here. I got, it's on my back somewhere? That's good. I mean, you get so burdened down, you don't even know what the burden is anymore. What's that say? Hidden sin. Oh. Dave, Dave, could you pick up my little thing? I, I mean, I'm so burdened down, I can't even carry this stuff anymore. Woe is me. Okay. Uh, would you come over and slip that one? Come here. This is uh, hidden sin. Ready? Oh, and this is rampant in the church, man. I'm telling you what. Hidden sin. See this? This little bag here? This is my man purse. <laughs> I had a smaller one before, but Jan said, I won't go anywhere with you. Would you run around with that little, that little bag? It was about half this size. She said, you're going to have guys chasing you pretty quick. <laughs> Some of you just say, oh, so I, but I got, my, I got my bigger man purse, okay? Oh, this, this thing has got compartments all over the place, man. I mean, you can tuck stuff in here and in this zipper and, then, and right in there and in here. And in fact, I thought I lost my address book. And I was just, I mean, I got all kinds of contacts and names and but I, I didn't worry about it. This morning when I was going in my, in, into one of the things, that I, found my, I found it in there. It was in there after all because there's so many little places in my man purse and I, I missed the place and, and, you know, and here it is. <laughs> oh, it's even taped up, but it's, oh, man, I'm just. But see, here's what we are. Hidden sin. Oh, I mean, I can start naming them. You know, you're looking at stuff. You're, you're watching movies you shouldn't watch. You're dialing in sites on computers you shouldn't be on. And everybody has this. And I remember when I first got saved. Man, I got saved. That was back in 1965, and I, <laughs> I had a 1965 Chevrolet Supersport Impala. 327, four on the floor, two-door, regal red, posit traction. I mean, the sad part now is I see them on these auction shows going for 50 grand. I paid 3,500 bucks brand new for the thing. 
And uh, I was a new Christian, you know what I mean? That wasn't totally cleaned up yet. I mean, spiritually cleaned up. I mean, that was a process. So I'm in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and I'm, I'm driving down the road in my 65 Chevy Supers. Oh, it was cool. It was a great car. Still wish I had it. But I'm, I'm, I'm driving by the hospital. Double pipes coming out there. And there was this nurse standing in the, uh, in the center of the, uh, there was a, like an island, and she was a fine motor scooter. And I'm looking at that nurse, and oh, you know, bang! I smacked into the car in front of me. So God says, look it, you quit checking out those girls. Keep your eyes on the road. <laughs> Put a big dent in the front of that cool car. But all of us got, oh, we got those hidden sins. We, oh, you know, I really wish I had their car. <gasps> and, and their house. And oh, yeah, man. I'd even like his wife because mine is mean. <laughs> Hi, honey. Oh, we've got, we've got so much stuff backed away. And it, it, it just bears down. Oh, but we put, oh, we come across really spiritual. Oh, everything's fine. How you doing, brother and sister? How you doing? But you got, oh, you got your little purse and your heart full of garbage. And God says, get rid of it. Bear no burdens on the Sabbath days. Don't bring them into the city. Don't bring them into the meeting place. You're weighted down. The author of the Hebrews said, cast aside all the weights that so easily beset us. And we live in a dirty world with a lot of dirty stuff going on. And the sad thing I see in the church today is we're folding into the world. There's not that much difference anymore. You know what? It's time to grab your identity. I am somebody in Christ. I'm a child of the King. I've been forgiven. I've been set free. I prayed, man. I said, we need some results. We need some liberated Christians with an, realizing that you've got an identity and there's stuff that you need to, there's stuff you need to get rid of. And, you know, I really don't care if I irritate some of you. I've got the gift of irritation anyhow. I'm not perfect. I still deal with stuff. But I've learned when I sense a burden, I lay it down because Jesus said, my yoke is light. Come on to me. And I tell you, I'm a happy man. I'm fulfilled. And here's what, here's what I want you to do. But when you really get your identity back that the enemy has stolen away with some of the stuff I talked about and you could have written some cards of your own to help stuff into my bags, when you get it back, all of a sudden, you'll begin to bring people to Christ. People are going to say, I want what you have. I want the peace that you have. I want the purity and, the, and I want what you have. And it will create such a flow. When you become aware and you'll see how the Holy Spirit can help you in that. But here's what we're going to do. See, here's what I did. I threw away anxiety and worry and guilt and, and hidden sin and all the other stuff. I just throw it away. 
You know, it's much easier for me to move, even though that stuff isn't that heavy because it's empty and it's just paper. But for me, even to move around like I'm moving around, I couldn't do it with all that stuff hanging on me. And see, some of you spiritually aren't moving around like you should because you're carrying those burdens. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, says, bring no burdens on the Sabbath day into the city or into the temple. I'm telling you today, take no burdens with you out of here today. There's still an altar. And the Old Testament prophets built an altar wherever they went. And we have an altar space. First service, probably three-quarters of the people came forward because they wanted to get rid of the stuff, the junk. And it, is, it doesn't mean you're not a good person. It doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. What it means is you're going to be set free. Now, what you're telling me, and you know what? It's cool if you've got it all together. But I will tell you right now, and I felt it strongly in the first service, it's like Satan has somebody's feet nailed right to the floor. It's that issue of pride. It's pride. I'm not going to let anybody know. There's a brother in the first service that I know has got issues. He didn't make a move. He didn't want anybody to know. But you know, someday, friends, every one of us is going to stand before God. And there's no excuses. I believe he's going to say, you know, that Sunday Pastor Arnie spoke at Life Church. You could have gotten rid of all of that junk that just hindered your life. But the very issue of pride kept you back. Don't let that happen. I'm telling you, there probably aren't too many Sundays where if I would have heard a message like this after all these years in the ministry, that I wouldn't have been the first one to come. Because you can't look to the right or the left today without seeing stuff that grabs at you. So we're going to sing it just a couple more times and then we're going to pray. But I really believe God's going to release some of you like never before. But there's something about And now, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, that we've learned that we don't have to bring our burdens. We don't have to carry them. And Lord, as I symbolically threw those bags representing various types of burdens, Lord, I believe that my friends at this altar are doing the same thing. And Lord, may they walk out with a fresh step. May they be excited as they face their this afternoon and their tomorrows. And Lord, may they be blessed. Lord, just rejuvenate us now that we're not going to have our identity stolen. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks for coming. Amen.